Welcome to 20-Minute Christian Counselor. My name is Rob Oram. I've been a pastor and a counselor for over 30 years. And in this podcast, I provide biblical counsel for the practical matters of life. So if you're experiencing some struggles, either personally or in a relationship, and you're seeking some helpful wisdom, keep listening. Welcome back. Today I want to answer the question, how can I tell if I am being abused by my spouse? And part two of that question is, what can I do if I am? And obviously this is a, this is a heavy question. And I think the fact that you are listening to this episode right now after reading its title tells me that you are wondering if you are being abused. And let me just say, if you're wondering if you are being abused in your marriage, there's a very good chance that you are. Or that you suspect that someone you know is being abused. So in any case, in either case, I want to encourage you to listen carefully to what I have to share today and maybe even take some notes because this is important. So let me start off and just talk about what is abuse. There are a lot of things that happen in the context of a marriage relationship, a lot of conflict and tension, things are said and done that we regret that we shouldn't do, but they're not abusive. Uh, It's just normal conflict and imperfections as broken human sinful people. But there's a line that can be crossed, and that line sometimes is fuzzy and hard to figure out. So let me just see if I can help you a little bit with this. What is abuse? Well, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, their definition of abuse abuse is this. Domestic violence, or what we're calling abuse, is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. Now, the key thoughts in that definition are willful, pattern, and power and control. And if you want just a real simple definition, abuse is intentionally hurting someone, intentionally causing harm to another person, and in this case, to your spouse, is abuse. Let me assure you, if you are experiencing this, you are not alone. Again, per the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, some of their statistics, in the United States, over 10 million adults experience domestic violence or abuse annually. 10 million adults. 
An abusive incident happens more than once every three seconds. One in four women and one in ten men experience domestic violence during their lifetime. It's interesting to remember wives aren't the only ones who can be abused. There are cases where husbands are abused by their wives. On a typical day, domestic violence hotlines nationwide receive over 19,000 calls. Domestic violence is prevalent in every community and affects all people, regardless of age, socioeconomic status, gender, race, religion, or nationality. And I share all of this to affirm to you, you are not alone. This is a big problem and unfortunately a common problem. So let's talk for a little bit about what abuse looks like, because again, sometimes it can be hard to believe what is happening to us is abuse. It's easy to excuse it or rationalize it. Sometimes we just don't know what's normal and healthy and what's not. So let me give you some specifics. And again, it's easy to think of abuse as only physical violence, but it can actually look a lot of different ways. Of course, physical abuse is real, is a big part of it. And that can look like pushing, pinning down, slapping, any kind of hitting, choking, throwing things. Those are all specific examples of physical abuse. There's also sexual abuse. And in a nutshell, here's a definition of sexual abuse. Any type of non-consensual sexual activity. If your spouse is making you do something sexually that you don't want to do, that is sexual abuse. There's also emotional abuse. And this is where it gets fuzzy sometimes. Examples of emotional abuse. Lying. Manipulating deceiving, putting down, and this is a real common one nowadays, gaslighting. Gaslighting is basically rewriting history, rewriting the facts about events of what was said or done, which make you question your own memory and your own perception of reality. That is gaslighting. Those are all examples of emotional abuse. Right alongside that is verbal abuse, yelling, Cursing, using harsh language, demeaning words, that is verbal abuse. And again, we all have conflict in marriage. Sometimes we're all going to say and do things we regret, but these are extreme examples that are ongoing. There's a line that gets crossed to where this is not normal marital conflict. This is abusive behavior. The last one I'll mention, and, and not a lot of people think about this, spiritual abuse. Basically, spiritual abuse is using God or the Bible to manipulate, control, or degrade. That is spiritual abuse. So, listen, if you are experiencing any of these behaviors to any degree, 
You are being abused. So what does God say about abuse? Well, abusive behavior in any relationship, but especially in a marriage, is condemned by God. Of course it is. You know, it's interesting. The Bible actually says in Psalm 11 and verse 5 that God hates violent people. Let me read this to you. Quote, the wicked and the one who does violence, his soul hates, unquote. God hates violence, especially in the context of what's supposed to be a loving marriage. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 9, verses 19 to 21, actually reveals that people who continue to behave like this, to actually continue to abuse, are actually at risk of not going to heaven. In other words, you have to really wonder if they are truly saved, if they truly have surrendered their lives to Jesus because they continue this behavior, this abusive behavior. Instead of abusing each other, God actually commands us to love each other, right? And in Ephesians chapter 4, we read, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted. In Colossians, Paul instructs husbands to love your wives and to not be bitter toward them. And in 1 Peter, Peter writes, Dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And then wives in Ephesians 5 are commanded to respect their husbands. And think about how Jesus, the groom, loves the church, his bride, and how Jesus treats us, his bride. He loves us. He loved us so much that he literally gave his life for us. He came to serve us. He is the perfect example of how we're supposed to treat one another, especially in a marriage. So abusive behavior of any kind is the exact opposite of how God wants husbands and wives to treat each other. God condemns abusive behavior. And I'm saying this very strongly because I want to make sure you understand if you are being abused, it's not okay. It's not right. It's not what God wants for you. He loves you. You are his child. He doesn't want you to be mistreated like this. So, what can you do to stop the abuse? Well, let me start off by telling you three things that you probably are doing to one degree or another right now that are not helping, that are not going to help the abuse to stop. One thing that's not going to help is retaliating. When you are abused or mistreated, fighting back, unless you're protecting yourself physically, obviously you might have to do that. But yelling back, cursing back, being mean back, intentionally trying to hurt back, that's not going to help. That kind of retaliation. Or even passively, aggressively paying back later, like intentionally burning dinner or withholding sex, anything like that. 
that is not going to be helpful. That is not going to help the abuse to stop. Another thing that's not going to help is just capitulating, just giving up and giving in, just allowing your spouse to continue to have his or her way and get away with the abuse. That's not going to help. And the third thing you might be doing that's not going to be helpful is just denying it's happening, refusing to believe that what is happening really is abusive, pretending it's not real, making excuses. None of these kind of responses are helping you. In fact, they're actually encouraging the abuse to continue. And the scary thing is, listen, the longer the abuse goes on, the worse it's going to get. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. So let me give you now seven specific practical steps you can take. And again, I encourage you to write these down. Seven steps you can take to begin to move towards trying to stop the abuse, to get out of the abuse. And number one is you need to focus your life on your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If there was ever a time when you needed him and needed to surrender to him, it is now. He is your ultimate and really only source for understanding, for strength and wisdom, for help and for healing. And he invites you to come to him. Read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is calling you to come to him. He knows what's going on. He loves you unconditionally. Nothing is impossible with him. So you need the first step to be just to re-surrender, or maybe for the very first time, surrender your life to Jesus Christ and seek him. And through this whole process, you need to lean on him, trust in him, turn to him for everything. The next step towards ending abuse in your marriage is just to acknowledge it for what it is. You need to break through your denial Stop making excuses for it. Stop explaining it away. Admit it is happening. Recognize it for what it is and realize that it needs to stop. And I know that can be a hard step and that's where you need Jesus to help you do that. Just to be honest and real about what's going on right now. The third thing, step three. If you are in a dangerous situation, in a place where you're actually fearful for your health, your safety, or your well-being, or you're concerned about the safety and well-being of your children, you need to get to a safe place. You need to remove yourself from the dangerous environment. And that may mean moving out. And I realize that's a big step and you're going to need help, but you've got to get to a safe place. You might need to move in with a friend or a family member, just somebody so you can get out of the danger, the immediate danger, and get to a safe, secure place. Why? Well, one, obviously just to protect yourself and your children. 
But two, you need to get out of the trauma and the danger so you can begin to think clearly, see things as they are. You can start to work on yourself, your relationship with God, what you need to do personally, and also setting a boundary like that, stepping away and moving away, communicates to your spouse that this is a problem, this is unacceptable, this is no longer going to be tolerable by me, and that we need to work on this and you need to get help. So you need to get to a safe place. And then the goal is eventually, ideally, to come back together in a healthier way. But some things have to take place. Some work has to be done before that's going to happen. So get to a safe place. Number four, you need to tell somebody what's going on. Keeping abuse a secret is common, but it's terrible for trying to move things forward and get better. There are certain secrets you just can't keep. And I understand there's a lot of shame and guilt tied into this, but you have to reach out to someone, someone you know loves you, someone you can trust, someone who cares about you and your family. You need to tell them, a family member, close friend, a pastor, someone that can be there for you to comfort you, support you, give you wisdom and counsel and keep you accountable. There's a critical step. You've got to let the cat out of the bag. And then number five, you're going to need some counseling. And make sure it is biblical, Christ-centered counseling from someone who knows Jesus and believes the Bible is truth. You're going to need counseling. Both you and your spouse have issues. We all have them. We've brought into relationships. There are things you need to work on and work through individually and as a couple. And usually you're going to start with individual counseling, meeting with separate counselors, working on yourselves. And then at the, the appropriate time, hopefully if things are moving forward in a healthy way, you can come together and begin to work on the relationship. But you're going to need professional counseling to do this. You can't work through all of this on your own. And then number six, get educated. Do some research. Learn about abuse. Read about it. Understand what it is, what it isn't, why it happens, what you can do. Do some further research to learn. There's so many resources out there. I'm going to list some resources for you in my show notes. But you can also do some of your own research. Get educated. Don't stay in the dark. And then lastly, this is optional, but if you guys are both willing to get in some type of support group, that can be very powerful. God can work through other people. You can share, you can hear and learn from other people's experiences. So a Christ-centered biblical support group can be very powerful and helpful. So I've got to answer this question. What if my spouse won't get help? What if he or she will not admit they have a problem or we have a problem and won't do anything? That's a rough situation. You still need to protect yourself, and if you have children, protect them. So you still need to get to a safe place. You can still work on yourself. You can still work on your personal relationship with God through Jesus. And while you're doing that, you can still be available 
if and when your spouse is ready and willing to start to work on themselves and the marriage. And during this process, you'll need a lot of support from those around you. You're going to have to maintain healthy boundaries because your spouse is going to want to just pull you right back into the way things have been. They're not going to want to change. So you're going to have to have good boundaries. You're going to be praying the whole time, asking God to work on him or her. You're going to be watching and waiting to see what God does, how your spouse responds. And in the meantime, you're going to stay obedient, seeking God, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and trusting he's going to give you wisdom. And hopefully, if both of you allow God to come in and work, he's going to be able to heal you. Nothing is impossible with him. He can change your hearts, your minds, your marriage, and your family. But it's going to be a process. But you have to intentionally begin this process. And you need to start this process now. I know it's scary. I understand you can't see how this is all going to work out, and it's overwhelming and looks impossible. Just remember, you are not alone. You are not alone. Trust Jesus. Turn to him. Take one step at a time, but take that first step. Tell someone. Don't wait. Do it today. Thanks for listening. If this has been helpful to you, I want to ask you to do three things. Click the follow button, write a review, and tell your friends. Also, if you have a question you'd like me to address, reach out to me at my website at roborum.com. That's R-O-B-B, two B's, O-R-A-M.com. Until next time, keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus.